because we are all one in Christ. We should all be in tune with what God is saying. And, you know, as we were calling out today, take joy, my king, in what you hear, you know. And, and as Scott was speaking, he was speaking about the love of God and about the goodness of God that is just never ending. I just, I really seriously just got goosebumps and I can hardly hold this microphone and speak because I think, I think God has done all the speaking already, you know. Uh, he said what he wants to say today. Um, so before I get started, I really want to wish everybody happy Mother's Day. Um, I hope you've all been spoiled and really looked after this morning. You know, I, it was such a special morning at our house and we got breakfast in bed and I got all those like necklaces and, and bracelets and all that. It's amazing how much you can get for $5 at a Mother's Day store. <laughs> I was thinking I was going to do all my shopping there from now on because you get a lot for it, you know. Um, and it was just awesome, you know. But I think with having a husband like Mark, it feels like there's Mother's Day every day at our house. <laughs> He's very sweet. <laughs> I was looking up today, actually, the word mother in the dictionary, and it says a person that does the work of 50 for no pay. <laughs> and it actually said, look up word saint also. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, look, Mother's Day has always got like a bittersweet feeling for me. Um, I just love the fact that I am a mother and I feel so blessed by that. But as you all know, I have lost my mom a few years ago, uh, about three years ago. And um, when I was sharing with Tanya that I was going to preach today, I told her that she might have to send out a, a rescue party for me this morning <laughs> in case I get emotional and I won't be able to uh, to be here. But, you know, I woke up this morning and I realized the joy of knowing Christ and the joy of being with his family surpasses everything. Every pain that we experience, everything that's difficult in our lives. Now, I really would like to encourage you today uh, on Mother's Day because, you know, after losing my parents, I discovered that um, those special occasions like Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, Easter, you know, can be some of the most difficult times for people that are suffering. You know, for us, it's all a joyous time and it's, we really are all hyped up. But I really would like to, for you to really look out for people that are struggling today, like singer mothers or, you know, people that have lost their parents and just, you know, a simple phone call, a text message, a hug. It just, it just speaks volumes for them. And I really would like you to encourage them today. Now, um, I actually found uh, an ad as as I was um, looking on the internet for a full time mother, and, and it says uh, it says this: now hiring a full time mother, the job type permanent or forever, pay twenty dollars thirty per week, hours. Well, work starts between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. and ends between 8 a.m., 8 p.m. and midnight or midnight. <laughs> 24 hour shifts are required at least once a week. Holiday and sickness. A couple of days, uh, holidays if you are lucky, if you are lucky, but absolutely no sick days. <laughs> Lunch to be eaten on the go, preferably your child's leftovers. <laughs> Breaks. 
coffee and tea can only be drunk cold half an hour after you made it. <laughs> Occupational hazards. Colleagues are often irritable, moody, prone to bursts of rage, <laughs> accompanied by hitting, kicking, and eye gouging. <laughs> experience and training, no experience needed and no training given. <laughs> Benefits, no pension, no health care, no after work drinks, and definitely no Christmas party. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And you know, being a mom is really a full time job sometimes, and it's very challenging and very demanding. And I'm sure Kirsty and Trent would, Trent would know all about it <laughs> as they just had their, their new baby, and, and Bell and Russell. Uh, it was great that they welcomed their baby uh, yesterday, but it is a really demanding job and it just doesn't matter how naughty or disobedient your kids are or how misbehaving they are you just love them to be it's like like even if they stay awake all night long as baby you just as babies you just love them and you just can't stop loving them and even though you know they make you probably question your sanity on a daily basis (laughs) and they drive you up the wall it's just this incredible love that that you have for them, this unconditional love, despite their behavior, despite their attitude or anything else, you know, and this, this is kind of the love that God has for us. You know, he, lo- he just looks upon us with just so much joy and delight on his face. And he has this unconditional love for us, despite of the fact of how Often we must fail him and we must disappoint him. He would look at us today and say, you know, I am your God. I am with you. I, I take great delight in you. I want to quiet you with my love and rejoice over you with singing. Did you guys get that um, bookmark today as you came in, especially the mothers? I think it's so beautiful. I actually got a purple one. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Um, And today I really would like to speak on this passage from Zephaniah 3.17. So you got your bookmarks. You don't need to open your Bible. It's all there. Um, but um, just, just to give you a bit of a background to this, to this passage, it's actually, obviously, ob- the prophet Zephaniah wrote it, and he is a pre-exile prophet. And as you read the entire chapter, you realize that this this whole chapter is written actually, it's one of Zephaniah's prophecies, and it's written over the city of Jerusalem. Now, just to go back a bit before that, 400 years before Zephaniah lived, the temple in Jerusalem gets built. Um, And Afterwards, you know, um, people started growing cold in their love and worship of God, and um, they turned to other idols, and over and over again, God would send to them prophets to remind to them the fact that they had to turn back to God. But of course, the people of Israel never listened when they were told, and um a hundred years before Zephaniah lived, um, what happened was... Isaiah watched in despair as the northern kingdom of Israel fell to the, in the hands of the Assyrians. 
And now Zephaniah, it's Zephaniah's turn, and he is prophesying over the city of Jerusalem. And he is saying, he is pointing ahead to the oppression of the uh, oncoming Babylonian empire that was gonna take, um, uh, that was gonna take control of Judah and the surrounding nation. The, the surrounding nations around. And the interesting fact is that Zephaniah was actually contemporary with King Josiah. If you remember King Josiah from Two Kings, he was the one that became uh, king when he was eight years old. And he actually found the book of the law in the ruins of the temple and he read it and he was just so touched by it and so broken and he was calling out to the people to repent and it says the bible says that there was never a king before him or after him that turned to god so wholeheartedly with his whole mind whole soul and with his whole heart and whole strength you know and and at this time so this is the time when king josiah reigns and zephaniah is the prophet who's calling out for repentance and this is the prophecy in chapter three that he's giving over the city of jerusalem um so because he repented so hard well, uh, that King Josiah repented so hard. What God did, he actually withheld his judgment for a further 40 years during his reign. And then, of course, Zephaniah's prophecy comes true. And we all know that King Nebuchadnezzar enters Jerusalem with his great and mighty army. And he takes um, the people into the people of Judah into exile to Babylon. So this is uh, this is kind of the background to this verse. Um, the first part of the chapter, Zephaniah is actually giving them the bad news, but the second part, he is giving them the good news because God is always a good God, as as Scott was sharing today. You know, there is always a way forward with God, and and he's telling them, he talks to them about their return from exile, and at the very end of the chapter, he says, at that time, I will gather you at that time, I will bring you home, I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes. So as the people repented during hardship and during exile, and as they called out to God now during exile, the Lord now looks with delight upon this city, and he wants to restore its fortunes. So it's clearly a promise of restoration, of a time of celebration, and of a time of rejoicing that's about to come. And this is where the context of this verse, this beautiful verse that I just love, this is where this verse is placed of Zephaniah 3.17 that says, The Lord is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. Now, if you have a closer look at this verse, firstly, you can tell that there are four distinct promises there um, that the Lord makes. And there are three of them, interestingly enough, are of a future tense. It says, I will, I will, 
I will, I will take delight over you. I will rejoice over you. I will quiet you with my love. But one of them is actually in the present tense. And, and the, the, the first promise says, the Lord is with you. He is mighty to save. Isn't that interesting that the other three are in the future tense, but this one is actually said in the present tense, in the now, because God is with us at all times, you know, even when we disobey, even when we go our own way, even with the people of Israel during exile, his presence is always there. We, that, that is guaranteed that his omnipresence is always there. He is always with us at all times and in all circumstances. He is with us in our good times, but he is with us in our low and dark and difficult times. And the part of this verse that this part of this verse is so encouraging because no matter how bad things get, no matter uh, where you are at, you know, God is with you. And not only the fact that he is with you, but he is actually mighty to save you. He is mighty to bring you out of the place you are at, of the darkness of the pit where you are at. He is mighty to lift you up. And this is great because God, our God is not a distant God somewhere up there, you know, not a God that doesn't care about us, but he's an up close and personal God, you know. He is not deaf to our prayers. He's not blind to our tears. And he's not absent in our pain. He sees, he hears, he's with us at all times, especially in the difficult times. Now, let me just tell you a quick story. I was, um, when we went to Fiji, I decided to go scuba diving of all things. <laughs> and I thought I would actually be good at it, you know, because I did it like 13 years back when we got married. I went scuba diving at the Red Sea in Israel and, and it took me like forever to learn how to scuba dive. And, um, the lady that, that was teaching us, she taught us how to do it in the pool. Darren is laughing. I had a bit of an audience there. <laughs> they were all laughing at me, but, um, she, she split us up in two groups and she was going to teach us how to do it in the pool. And I totally failed the first time. I couldn't even get the basics of just diving down, you know. <laughs> And uh, I see Michelle. And then the second time, I said, "You know what? I'm not giving up. I really want to do this." And I said, "I'm going to go with the second group and listen to the instructions again, and maybe I'll get it this time." And so I went with the second group, and then I finally, kind of, just about got it. And she says, "All right, you can come with us." So we got on the boat to go out into the ocean, and um, I, I was sitting there thinking. Oh, this is probably going to be one of the last, my, the last day of my life. I was convinced I wasn't going to come out of there alive, but I was thinking, I really want to see what's under there. I want to see the coral and the fish. And then, so I asked one of the guys, the islanders, I said, do you mind? I said, look, I, I just barely passed this course. <laughs> and uh, I said, do you mind if you come with me? Cause instead of going as a group, if you'd able, if you'd be able to accompany me and just help me out 
So he did. And he came and he grabbed my hand and the whole way, you know, he took me around and showed me all the coral and the fish. And, and one time he was like making signs to say like, one second, just, just let go one second. He was trying to go grab something from the back with the other hand. And I'm like, uh-uh, like I'm not letting go of you. But, but you know, this is what God is like. Like when we feel hopeless, when we feel scared, when we feel like we are drowning, he just grabs a hold of our hand and he just won't let go. And he brings us to safety. John 10, 22, 28, sorry, says, I will give them eternal life that they shall not perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I just love this verse because the guarantee of eternal life does not lie in our strength and in our power, but it lies in the fact that God has just grabbed a hold of you and he just won't let go. Thanks so much, Trent. That's beautiful. And he just grabbed a hold of you and he won't let go. And it doesn't matter. Like no trial, no pain, no suffering, no circumstance, no person, neither height nor depth, nor demons, nor angels, nor past, present, nor future, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do I get an amen to that? Amen. You know, he was with the nation of Israel while in exile, and he was mighty to save them from their oppressors. And he wants to say to you today that there is nothing that can hold you back and nothing that can pull you down because he is with you and he is mighty to save you. There is nothing in this life that you can, you can't overcome because God is with you and he has grabbed a hold of your hand and he is holding tight. He's holding tight. Now you can imagine the Israelites worrying while in exile and thinking God has abandoned us. God has left us and being scared. But, and, and you can imagine them actually probably claiming that out this, this uh, prophecy of Zephaniah, which Zephaniah said, uh, like 50 years beforehand and saying, I am with you. I am mighty to save, you know, and these are, these are the promises we should hold on to. These are the promises we should claim when the going gets tough, you know, when life gets difficult, you know, we should claim that God is with us, that he's mighty to save, that he won't let go of our hand and that he will pull us to safety. Another translation actually says, that he is in the midst of us, which I like even better because it shows the fact that not just he is with us, he's right there. Like he is involved in what's happening. In, and, and not just that, but he cares about the little, most insignificant aspects of our life. You know, we can bring it all all to God because uh, he watches over you it's almost like he it's this sense of being an overprotective parent who's constantly got an eye out for his children you know every te- every step that you take he just wants to take it with you this morning 
why don't you turn to the person beside you and tell them, stop worrying, God is with you. <laughs> it's a wonderful promise that God is with us and that he is able to save us like he did with the Israelites. But it's more than that. He doesn't just pull us out of a situation. He helps us overcome it. He's like, the Bible says that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It's not that we just barely make it out. We are like more than conquerors. He helps us be victorious, victorious in Christ Jesus. Now, the second promise says, he will take great delight in you. Like, isn't that beautiful? He will take great delight in you. I mean, I'm just happy if Mark takes great delight. <laughs> but, you know, when, <laughs> which he does. <laughs> um, but to think that the God of universe actually takes great delight in you. I mean, like, especially on a day like Mother's Day, I, I wake up thinking, oh, God, am I a good mom anyway? <laughs> like, am I a good wife? You know, do I do the best I can for my family? Um, do, am I even a good follower of Christ? And it's like all these worries start to accumulate in your mind. And sometimes you just think, oh, maybe I'm just not good enough. I mean, I seriously can't bake. You know, <laughs> I, I often forget to brush my kids' hair before we drive off to school. Like, I'm always late. My house gets messy. You know, sometimes I wonder if I'm doing enough for God or if I am what he wants me to be. And sometimes I just feel like I don't measure up, you know. But God looks and says, you know, on those moments, you hear the voice of God saying, you know what, I take great delight over you. And it's not just a little bit of delight. It's like great delight. He looks down upon us and says, I take great delight over you. Isn't that quite outstanding? I mean, to find a verse like this in the Bible. And, and it's, it's really so refreshing. It's almost like taking of a drink of cold water, you know, in a hot day to just think, I can just stop worrying. You know, God takes great delight over me. But you know what? It makes me wonder why. Like, it makes me wonder why. Because we cause him so much pain and so much grief, probably on a daily basis, yet he takes great delight in us. It's a picture that is so beautiful and so sweet, but it's so hard to understand and so hard to get because we we all just fall short of God's standard, for we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you know, God was right to punish the people of Israel because they really were an undeserving lot and, and they were disobedient and constantly growing cold in their love and worship of God. But this is the thing. The beauty of God is that he does not delight in seeing us suffer. He does not delight in the punishment of his children. The beauty of God is that he delights in restoring us. He delights 
in blessing us. You know, his heart, it's like a mother or like a parent. His heart is always for his children, you know. And when his children turn to him wholeheartedly and when they repent, his utmost desire is to bring them out of darkness and into the light, out of misery and suffering into a place of plenty and abundance and rejoicing and blessing. He delights in seeing his children walk into the light, you know, out of exile and into the promised land, um, out of captivity and into freedom, out of bondage and slavery and oppression, into liberty and freedom and victory. And that is our God. That's what he delights in. He delights in setting his children free. Now, this week, I actually watched in horror as I saw the events unfold in Cleveland, if some of you have watched the news. And I was just horrified that the human being can actually do that, that the human being can actually uh, abduct those three girls and, and keep them captive um, and treat them like, like a slave and, and abuse them, you know, for 10 years. And, and I was just like, as a mother, your heart breaks when you hear that. And I just think that, you know, this evil man that did that, it's, it's actually, it's a perfect symbol of what Satan wants to do to us, of how he wants to hold us captive and how he wants to hold us trapped to whatever it is, you know, whatever bondage or fear or anxiety or pain or suffering, whatever it is, that's what Satan wants to do. You know, but he, Jesus, he has come to set the captives free. Amen. He wants to set the captives free and he delights in setting, setting us free, free from the bondage of sin, free from the weight of sin, free from the pain, free from suffering, free from guilt, free from shame, free from condemnation, free from anxieties and fears because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Where is my drink? <laughs> mm. Okay, I totally spilled it. <laughs> yeah, you only notice that you're nervous when I pick up some. Like, um. <laughs> listen, God delights in setting us free, and whatever, <laughs> whatever is holding you back today, just know that God is your freedom fighter, that he wants to set you free. God is always waiting. You know, we've had, um, I think it was John that mentioned the picture of the, the, the bride and the bridegroom. And, and that is what God is like. He's like this bridegroom that, that looks with delight upon his bride as she come and walks up the aisle. And that is the joy and delight on God's face as we turn back to him. He is always there, and he is always waiting. Now, turn to the person next to you and tell them, God takes great delight in you, and he wants to set you free.
Now the third promise is that he will quiet you with his love. Now the children of Israel were probably a bit traumatized having experienced the pain and the suffering of the exile and the oppression. And they probably needed comforting and they needed to feel the love of God. They were separated from their families and from their land and it was just a difficult time for them and they went through a lot of pain. And God is saying to them here, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I want to quiet you with my love. We see God here in a, the picture of God here is one of, one of comforting and reassurance. One that he wants to just love on them. And that's what he wants to do with us. You know, he wants to comfort us, reassure us. He wants to love on us, to tell us that it's okay. You know, it's okay. It's almost a picture like of a child who cries to you. You know, they have injured themselves and they just come running to you crying. And all you can do to quiet them is just grab them and hold them and just just love on them, you know. Or the picture of an anxious crying baby who just won't settle at night and, and, and a loving mother who just comes and starts nursing the baby or singing them a lullaby. It's almost like that. You know, and um, at times we go through experiences like that when we need to feel God's love, when we need to feel like he's right there with us. I remember the time that my parents died. The grief that I felt was just so overwhelming that I really, I really couldn't make sense of life anymore. It's hard to explain. I would wake up in the morning and I would think, well... What's the point in having breakfast? We are all going to die anyway, you know. I just couldn't understand life anymore, you know. Yet in these times that I experienced an intimacy with God that I have never known before, you know, and at the most difficult, difficult and hardest times of our life, God just pulls in close and he just quiets us with his love and tells us it's okay, you know, and he grabs our hand like a diving instructor would and and he just helps us to relearn and he helps us to see the joy and the beauty in life. He helps us to, to and he tells us, you know, when I am by your side, there is joy. There is beauty in life, despite of what you went through, despite of what you are going through, despite of where you are at now. I want to give you a new direction. I want to give you a new purpose. I want to bring you into the promised land. You know, when the waves are crashing and it's stormy and the boat is sinking and you are at the end of your rope and you just don't know where to go from there. God just comes in. He just comes in. And he is our savior. He saves you. He rescues you. He grabs a hold of your hand and tells you, I delight over you. I delight over you. And he gives you a meaning, a direction, a purpose. Turn to the person beside you and say, God wants to comfort you with his love. It's actually good fun. It gives me a chance to breathe, you know. <laughs> but um, 
The fourth promise is he will rejoice over you with singing. The, the word, um, the Hebrew word rejoice actually um, has the suggestion of dancing for joy. Now imagine the God of universe just dancing for joy over you. You are the joy of heaven. He rejoices over you with singing. One time I was, I went up for prayer like a few years back and someone prayed for me and he said, the Lord rejoices over you with singing. And I went back. I just fell right over because I couldn't get the idea of God actually rejoicing over me with singing, you know, and later I went to that person and I was like, what made you say that? And she was like, it's a verse in the Bible. (laughs) So I looked it up and I thought, how incredible is this? You know, and it's always been one of my favorite verses that God of the universe can actually look at you with great delight, not a little bit of delight, great delight. And he can take joy in you. He rejoices over you with singing. Despite of who we are, Despite of how often we fail him, right? Despite of how disappointed he must be in us, he rejoices over us with singing. He composes a song and sings it over you. A song that is comforting. You know, when we are hurt and broken, the Lord of the universe picks us up. He wipes the tears from our faces and he rejoices over us with singing. He starts singing us a song. He sings to us a song of healing, of deliverance, of rejoicing. In his song, he declares and he renews his promises towards you and he declares his undying affection towards you. Turn to the person beside you and say, the Lord rejoices over you with singing. (laughs) It's great that he does, but why? Why would God rejoice over us with singing? You know, and as I read this verse and I was praying about it, I just felt overwhelmed and thankful and grateful. But I, I kept on saying, God, you have to explain to me why. Cause, cause I really don't get it. Why? Like, why would you rejoice over us with singing? And the thing is, he rejoices over you with singing because he wants to restore you. You see, all these future tense promises, he will. He will delight over you. He will quiet you. He will rejoice over you. See, it shows that God, our God, is a God of the future. You know, as Zephaniah um, wrote this prophecy, he actually called the city of Jerusalem a wicked city. Yet what the Lord does, he looks at this city and he says, and he sees beyond that. He sees the future of Jerusalem and he sees a restored city and he rejoices in that and he delights in that. And he looks at you today and he sees beyond where, what, or how and and who you are now. And he sees your future. 
He sees your potential. He sees your worth. Amen. He, and he rejoices in that. He totally rejoices in that. A friend, you know, there is this saying that a friend or a good friend is someone who understands your past, accepts you today just the way you are, and, and he believes in your future. But let me tell you that God is more than that, way more than that. He doesn't just understand your past and where you've come from. He forgives your past. And he doesn't just accept you today the way you are. He delights and rejoices over you today. And he doesn't just believe in your future. He promises and has the power to restore your future. I think that's just so amazing. And the, the next thing is that God rejoices over you with singing because you are his prized possession. You are his prized possession. You are his jewel. You know, um, the Bible says in Hebrews 12 too, that he endured the cross. He despised the shame for the joy that was set before him. What was this joy, you know? What was this joy that caused the Son of God to leave the glory of heaven and endure the pain and the suffering of crucifixion? You were his joy. You and I. You were his joy. He rejoices over you with singing, remember? You are his pride and joy, and he did it for you. He did it for you and I. The cross of Jesus is the greatest expression of unmerited love, unmerited favor, and unmerited grace of all time, of all time. And it's this unmerited love, unmerited favor, and unmerited grace. This is what deserves my wholehearted devotion. The Bible says that Christ's love compels us. It's his love that compels us and should touch our hearts. It's not the fear of God. Not the fear of God. But it's actually an accurate understanding of his love. That's what should motivate us to want to reciprocate that love back to him. I don't know what motivates you, but this is what touches my heart. Because he gave it all up for me, I want to say, I want to give it all up for him. It's what makes me say, have my heart, have my life, have my all. Because he is the God of second chances, of third, of fourth, of fifth, and of a million other chances. Because his love is eternal, his grace is unending, and his favor lasts a lifetime. His favor lasts a lifetime. That's what makes me want to serve and honor him, lay my life down at his feet because he understands my past and he forgives my past because he accepts me today just the way I am, an undeserving sinner. Yet he looks over me with great delight and great joy 
because he he believes in my future because of this i want to serve him because he never gives up because he never gives in because he does not relent because his love pursues me and his love overwhelms me because he never leaves me nor forsakes me because he has captured my heart and he has grabbed a hold of me and because he won't let go and he won't relent because of this i want to serve and follow him does this great and unmerited love like totally unmerited love does it touch your heart today cuz it touches mine you know zephaniah gave them the good news and the bad news but the good news for us today is that the lord of the universe looks down and says i take great delight in you i rejoice over you with singing i don't know if you're a words of affirmation person you know but this is really the greatest affirmation that you could ever receive it is the greatest compliment that you could ever receive that the lord of the universe would take delight and pleasure in you that he actually rejoices over you with singing it's what should make us want to live lives worthy of the calling that we have received i was just going to pray but i think i'll let i'll just let the holy spirit take over right now and why don't we just close our eyes for a moment and just just think of this great love this great and unmerited love that he so richly and generously lavished upon you today that he looks at you and says you you ross darren scott lorraine darren linda tania joe michelle dian helen mark nikki trent you are my prized possession you are my prized possession i did it for you you are the joy that caused me to go to the cross 
I rejoice and delight over you with singing. I wonder what, what, what does that produce in your heart? What kind of emotion does that produce in you? To know that, you know, despite of who we are, he still looks at us so lovingly, so lovingly, so lovingly, with great delight, great delight. Lord Jesus, Father in heaven, I want to thank you today that you would choose to love us, Lord, when we were so unlovable, O oh God, that you would choose to reach down on our, to us, Lord God, and touch us and grab us and grab a hold of us, Lord God, and you hold so tight that you won't let go. And we need to know, O oh God, that our et eternity is assured because of this, O oh God, because of your great love. Thank you, Lord God, for sending your son Jesus to die on my behalf, to take away, to take my punishment, to take my sin away upon himself, O oh God, to take my guilt, to take my shame upon him, O oh God. Lord God, your love is just so amazing. Your love just touches my heart today, afresh and anew, O oh God. And Lord, I pray that today we will be like King Josiah, O oh God, and we will want to turn to you, Lord God, with wholeheartedly, with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our soul, with all our strength, Lord God. You deserve our wholehearted devotion, O oh God. You deserve our every part of us, Lord God. Lord, will you produce a transforming work within us, Lord God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray. Lord, we know that only by grace can we enter, and only by grace can we stand, not by our human endeavor, but by the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of the Lamb that causes you to look down on us with so much joy and so much delight. Lord, I pray that we may lay aside whatever is holding us back today, whatever, whatever is pulling us down. Lord, that we may serve you wholeheartedly. Lord, I just want to thank you that we are the joy of heaven, that you chose us, little, insignificant people, undeserving people, to be the joy and the celebration of heaven. And Lord, we want to say we want to return this great love. We want to return it, Lord God. Give us the strength to love you, Lord, and to honor you, Lord, like you deserve to be loved and honor, honored. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.